So for one reading, we have encouragement. You are the saints, you are blameless, you are strong. And for the other, we are like a dried out leaf that's getting blown away. We are like a filthy cloth. We are all scattered. We are not worthy. People love mantras these days or a meditation phrase. Do you have one? I think many of us have one with whether or not we realize it. And so some people, to try to counter one that their subconscious is feeding them all the time, will choose intentionally to have a very positive one. Some people wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and greet themselves with a positive affirmation so that whether they're feeling that way or not, it begins to shape their experience for the day. From the Apostle Paul, we have some wonderful affirmations. And from Isaiah, we have the opposite of a positive mantra. There are some funny spins which I have come across on these, like, today I am taking control over my emotions. I am choosing to have crippling anxiety. Have you heard that one? Or the best way to cope with your problems is to add new problems to distract yourself from the old ones. That is another unhelpful mantra. And one last one, you got this. Whether you want it or not, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Isaiah is full of rather unhelpful mantras and words of affirmation. But Isaiah also challenges us together as a collective. Isaiah's challenge is for this whole community of people. It doesn't matter to Isaiah so much how any one individual wakes up feeling what mantra we might choose, Isaiah reminds us that all together we have some serious things we need to wrestle with as a community. So there was a borderline unethical experiment done a while back in the UK where researchers decided to take a whole collection of young children and put them together unattended in a house and watch them on camera. It went exactly the way you might imagine. There were um, two um, groups that formed, two clans. They bullied each other. They harassed each other. They ate junk food and completely destroyed the house. Went exactly the way you might imagine. And what Isaiah is also wrestling with as he looks around and sees this community that's in trouble and in turmoil, and it's hard for us to know exactly how the Greek should be translated, because it could be either one of these two things. He's describing a God who is angry and a people who are sinning, but what he said could be either you were angry because we sinned or you were angry so we sinned. It could be translated you hid yourself because we transgressed or we transgressed because you hid yourself. So just as those children might say to their parents and researchers, what did you expect? Look what happens when you leave us to our own devices. Whose fault is it that this house is destroyed and that we have inflicted so much hurt on one another? We weren't meant to figure this out alone. You are the parent, God. How could you have gone away? We did what any other unattended children would have done. It's hard to look at the state of the world right now and to not feel any differently. 
We hear so much about the Israel-Hamas war. It fills the majority of our news stories, as it should. There's a mandate that we have an awareness of this global conflict and that we do what we can within our own power, especially at home, to be good friends and neighbors to our Jewish and Muslim friends and community. But if you were to also take a map and highlight the countries that are also embroiled in war and conflict, half of the countries in the world are also in a state of war right now. It does look very, very much like this whole earth is a household with a parent who has gone away. You have to seek out the news stories now to see what it is going on, for example, in the Tigray region of Eritrea, or in South Sudan or Sudan, in Syria and Tanzania, still in Ukraine and in Mexico, in Haiti, where members of the Friends Fellowship Church that worship in Wakeman Hall just after us have come from to find a place of safety here. When we look at the state of the world, how can we do anything but share in God's heartbreak for all of the suffering, both the suffering of the children still in hostage and the suffering of a child slowly and agonizingly dying alone under the rubble of a bombed out building in Gaza. Truly, God's heart is broken, and our hearts should break as well. So Isaiah's words set us right in the moment of this pain and longing. Out of that pain in the middle of the turmoil of this messy, hurting world, the prophet is calling out, maybe even screaming out to God, God, tear open the heavens and come down. Come save us from ourselves. Shouldn't we also be crying at the gray skies today, begging God to show up and fix it and fix us? So in Isaiah, declaring how awful we are and begging God to come back in Corinthians, reminding these folks who, yes, are having a very hard time, that they are still saints, that God is already somehow still with them, that they have everything that they need. One of the tricky things about preaching is that half of you, I would guess, need one message and half of you need the other. Friends, this morning, do you need Paul or do you need Isaiah? The states of our lives are so different. Even just in this room where we experience the same kind of environment when we go out from this place, half of us are deeply lonely but half of us are craving some alone time. Half of us are searching for purpose or a new purpose, and half of us need a break from the many demands on their lives. Any one of us might long for what one would describe as their problems. Some of us are worried about struggling to get their family to pose for a Christmas card or a shopping list that is too long, and that might be the deepest desire of someone else. So where do we find the good news this morning? I really connected with Paul's words when he wrote to this church that he loved so much in his greeting to the beloved community when he says he gives thanks to God for them all the time and tells them they are strong, reminds them God is faithful. I got to do the very best part of my job here last night. 
when you all opened the doors to the community at the town tree lighting. I know many of you were here, so many of you volunteered. I'm so grateful to all of you. But for those of you who were not here, to set the scene, the moment is really created by our town choirs singing holiday music on the steps of the town hall right through these doors. Santa rides into town on the fire trucks and there are upwards of a thousand people right outside these doors at the town hall lawn. And then if you were to stand out there on the town hall and turn around and look back, you would see this beautiful building, the rainbow chairs out front, occupied by a cohort of self-authorized people who are tending the flame of the fire pit. The church doors are wide open and you can hear the piano and the organ and folks singing Christmas carols in here. And when people come in, they find this beautiful spirit of Christmas cheer. I am so grateful to you all for making this place such a sign of welcome. There are city churches that sit on busy corners where people bustle by all week, but which are empty, even or especially on the weekend. There are also churches that sit off back roads in the countryside where you would never end up going if you were not already seeking it out. But this church is so blessed that twice a year, Memorial Day and for the tree lighting, the townspeople show up in droves and we have an opportunity to open our doors and provide a place that fills a longing. Friends, it isn't just a Hallmark movie type of moment. It is a time that meets a deep, deep need for people. The first woman who arrived at the fair came in and was overtaken by emotion. And she told us that it took her back to when her father and mother tended the tables at the fair. A man and woman came in for the carol singing, elders who I had never met before, and they sat and sat and sat for a long, long time after the music had ended. When I went to sit beside them, I asked them in a very open-ended way if they had a place of worship, and they said they are Muslims who worship in the former home of United Bridgeport. They worship in that congre former congregational church that instead of a cross on the steeple has a crescent moon but they said how much they appreciated this moment in this sacred space. And they mentioned how much they love the beautiful portraits, the faces of peace that are in the web room that remind everyone who comes in that we are a place of extravagant welcome and a people who welcome those with all kinds of theologies. A young family came in with friends of this church and they told me where their hearts are is Ukraine, where they had fled because they lived just 30 kilometers from the Russian border. They came with their two young sons and they are trying to make a happy new home for their boys. One teenager who is a member of the Loft community came through to say goodbye. They are moving away and this church has provided a safe harbor for them throughout turbulent and emotional coming of age years. They always heard in this place that they are loved just the way they are. So what people come longing for into this place and into this season isn't just a simple festivity. It's looking for a place that offers a holy and sacred glow, a place that's a touchstone, that gives a feeling of steadiness, a reminder that even when we have lost hold of a sense of blessing for ourselves, that someone else here might have held on to a blessing and be able to hand it back to them. So friends, I think in this 
first day in the season of Advent, the call on our lives is to be able to do both, to hold both the deep hurt and the pain and the suffering and also the good news. All of those wonderful affirmations that we are a beloved community, that we are the saints, that we are strong enough for these days ahead, and God will keep us growing stronger. So hold both in your hands. Remember that there is always God's love. Even when it doesn't feel like it, as people of faith, we know God rips the heavens open. God has done in the past, and God will do so again. Even when we don't feel it in our bones, we know when we come into this place that it is so. So how do we get ready for Christmas? We hold the sorrow and the joy, the deep disappointment with the state of humanity, and also the hope for all of us, the meaninglessness, the wandering, the seeking, with that steady, constant reminder that, yes, God created you and God loves you, and even when it doesn't feel like God is here with you, that is the name of the one we are waiting for, Emmanuel, God with us. So let our prayer become Lord Jesus soon and very soon. Amen.